Welcome to the show. This is Minister Ginger London. You're listening to the Ginger London Ministry Show. Tonight we have a special uh, teaching that we're continuing this week. This is part five of a six-part series on getting ready for the right relationships. And we're uh, doing this uh, special teaching for single adults. And so tonight we're going to be talking about the types of relationships that don't work. And so we're going to be looking at the patterns of uh, different relationships and uh, what you need to know about those particular patterns and how they affect your ability to choose correctly or how they affect the way you actually relate um, in a relationship. And so before we get started, as we do on every show, we're going to open up with a word of prayer and we're going to get right into it. Thank you so much for listening on tonight. And if you are in the chat room, we've posted an outline of the agenda or notes for tonight so you'll be able to follow along. And those of you who are listening by phone, uh, I'm going to try to talk a little slower so you can uh, take notes. But you can always go back and do the replay of the uh, show on tonight. So let's have a word of prayer, and we're going to get right into the teaching on the types of relationships that won't work. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you on this evening. We bless your name, O God. We honor you. We humbly come before you. We ask you to forgive us of our sins as we come boldly to the throne of grace. We desire to stand before you clean, Lord God, uh, available to be uh, to hear everything that you have to say to the church on tonight and to your people and to all of those who are listening. I pray that I become an instru- instrument of righteousness, used for your glory, Father God, for the uplifting, encouragement, and building up of your people. I thank you for this blessed opportunity, and I thank you for entrusting me with your sacred word on tonight. I honor you, Lord God. I I love you with my whole heart and all of my being. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Again, tonight's uh, show, uh, the topic is the types of relationships that won't work. And so as I get started, I'm going to talk to you a little bit about the relationship relationships and the way that they work. And for those of us who are believers, Christian believers, God has given us a fundamental principle for the management of our lives. And we find that principle in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40, and it says, let all things be done decently and in order. Now, this is not just for worship services, but it's also in the development of healthy, fulfilling relationships. So in order to establish a solid foundation on which to build an unshakable union, uh, we we have several things that we have to do as believers. Number one, we have to develop an intimate, personal relationship with God. And number two, we have to, before uh, before becoming involved with another person, we must first get to know ourselves, who we are as individuals and who we are in Christ. And we talked about that, and that is so important that you must know who you are, who you are as an individual and who you are in Christ. What is your self-worth, you know? What are the unique things about you that God has placed on the inside of you? What is your core value? What do you believe in? And then number three, if you are, uh, if we are to love and accept uh, another person, we must first learn to love and accept ourselves. The Word of God says in uh, Philippians one six, being confident of this, 
He that begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ. God has done, if you are a new creature in Christ, God has done and is doing a good work on the inside of you. You must be confident about the change that God has brought to your life, the uh, renewed mind, the transformation in your life, in your spirit, the strengthening of your inner man, uh, your conversation being changed, the way you see life, your your perception of life. Everything has to be uh, new in you, but you have to have confidence Confidence in the good work that God has done. Uh, And it's hard to have confidence in God's good work and still have low self-esteem at the same time. Uh, That means that you're going to have to trust God. And uh, Psalms uh, chapter 40, verse 4 says, Blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. We can't trust in our emotions. We can't trust in our, um, uh, our perception, our worldly perception at times. We can't trust in what we think about things and how we think about relationships. We have to put our trust in God and in God's word. Then we have established a foundation that we can build a relationship upon. Um, Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 8, verse 5, talks about a wise man's heart discerns both time and judgment. You have to pray for God's wisdom. You have to pray for God to give you a discerning heart. You have to know the timing and the of God and the judgment of God. And what I mean by judgment is not the wrath of God, but being able to discern, is this the right person? So you have to know if it is time for you to be in a relationship with someone, and then you have to have God's ability to judge whether or not this particular person is the one that God has for you, or is this the type of relationship that you should be involved in? Um, once you have that discerning heart and the wisdom of God, then you can stand on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where God says, "For I know the plans that I have for you," declares the Lord, "plans for." Uh, good and not of evil, to give you a future and to give you a hope. That's the place that you want to be, knowing that God has plans for your life and the plans that God has for your life are good. They're not evil. They, uh, the, uh, the plans of God will give you a future and it will give you hope. If you stand on these principles, then it will be hard to make a bad selection in a relationship. That's not to say you won't make one, but even if you do make one, you have enough within you to see that you've made a bad mistake and then to turn away from that mistake and head back in the direction that God has purposed for your life. And so let's talk about the relationships that won't work, how to avoid who's wrong. And that's what this show is about on tonight. So we're going to talk about the types of relationships that won't work and what you need to know about what doesn't work in those relationships. So I will discuss the types of love uh, relationships that will end in pain and disappointment. Additionally, tonight I'm going to also discuss some of the fatal flaws to watch out for uh, that can result in toxic relationships. And then we're going to discuss some of the spiritual flaws that a person may have and how they will affect um, your life and your ability uh, to actually have a healthy relationship. So let's talk about the relationships that won't work. The first one uh, that we want to talk about is a relationship where you care more about your partner than he does about you or she does about you. You you have more uh, emotionally invested in the relationship than the person that you're actually in the relationship with. So you're in love, but you're not sure how the other person feels about you in the relationship. He or she doesn't seem to be too excited about the relationship. You're excited. You're doing things to, to um, push the relationship along, but they're not as excited as you are. Um, you can't stop thinking about him or thinking about her uh, when you are apart from that person, but they don't seem to have um, – 
any problems not uh, uh, missing you when they're not around you. In other words, they're fine when they're apart from you. So you're doing more in the relationship emotionally than he or she is doing. And um, this type of relationship is not healthy. It's not healthy when one person um, is the is the emotional pursuer most of the time or all of the time. You know, the relationship is out of balance. It won't work. You're the one that has to, you're pursuing emotionally. You're the one who um uh is always doing nice things and uh saying uh sweet things and emotional things and you're the one that's uh, uh caught up in um showing appreciation and uh, always saying uh, I love you at the end of a conversation or uh calling to say I miss you when you're on vacation and they're not, that person isn't with you you know the per- the relationship is out of balance because they're not um doing things the same types of thing mutual mutually for you and so uh there's some warning signs that you might be in this type of relationship usually you're the one that reaches out first to show that um uh, affectionate physically in other words you're the one that grabs the whole his hand or her hand before she uh before he or she does it or uh you offer the you're the one that offers the hugs first and you're the one that offers the kisses first you show more affection than the other person does and you do it before they do it um you go out of your way to be with that person or to do uh, things for that person, but he or she hardly ever goes out of their way to do anything for you. I mean, you'll leave work early to go run an errand for them or, you know, uh, they're at work and they need something taken care of. And so you say, wow, I'm going to go take care of that for you. So you jump in the car and you go do it for them, but for that person. But when it's time for that favor to be returned, then they're too busy or they're preoccupied or something else has come up. You know, So they don't go out of their way for you, but you go out of your way for him or her. Uh, you 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 told your family uh, about this person that you're dating, but uh, they haven't said a word to their family about you yet. You know, you've been dating four, five, six months. You know, and you you've taken them to the family function, the family picnic, the uh, the, the Thanksgiving dinner, the Christmas dinner, the New Year's Eve celebration. You know, all of those things. You've, they've even gone to weddings. They've gone to funerals with you, but you have not done anything with that person with his or her family. And when you ask them about that, their response is, "Well, you know, I haven't gotten around to it yet." Or there's so much going on in my family, you know, I don't want you caught up in all that drama. So, you know, I'm just going to wait until the dust settles. You know, they always have an excuse about why uh, he, why they haven't introduced you to uh, their family members yet. Uh, on special uh, occasions, your gifts to your partner are well thought out, uh, and, and they're even personal. You know what they've been wanting, what they've asked for. You might have something engraved. You know, you really plan and, and think about the type of gifts that you're going to buy the person that you're in a relationship with. However, when it's time for them to give you a gift, then it appears like it was a last-minute uh, uh, gesture or and it's impersonal. You know, you go out of your way uh to buy her uh, maybe the handbag, the designer handbag she wanted, or maybe she wanted a, an iPad or some type of uh, a smartphone or something like that. And you, you go out of your way, you get the exact color, you get the cases, you get all the accessories, you get everything that goes with that particular gift that she wanted. And then when you get your gift from her, it's impersonal. She goes out last minute and she buys you three pairs of socks, a blue pair, a black pair, a brown pair. You know, that's what you get in return, but you put a lot of effort into your selection of, of gift for that person, but they don't think they don't hold the same value uh towards you in making a selection 
when you talk about the relationship, you know, your future together or your feelings for one another, your, your, your partner becomes very uncomfortable and unresponsive and sometimes even changes the subject because they are not emotionally into the relationship like you are. And so you care more about that person than the person does about you. So rather than uh, having to admit that, they change the subject whenever you have a conversation or uh, they'll become a, a very cold and distant in the uh, the conversation. He or she'll say, well, I think, you know, you you pressing me, you pushing me. You know, uh, why do we have to always talk about that? You know, those kinds of statements. And what happens? You back down, you stop talking about it, you put a movie on, or you do something like that. There are several reasons why you might find yourself caught up into a relationship where you care more than the other person does. Number one, you're you're, uh, repeating rather a childhood pattern. And every night this week when we've talked about this, almost everything goes back to the family origin. And, you know, um, that's a, 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 a value that needs to be placed on that because your emotional programming occurs when you're small and occurs in the environment that uh, is supposed to be safe for you, where you learn about love, where you learn how to get along with people, uh, you learn how to show love, how to receive it, you know, and even the negative side, if maybe if you didn't get a lot of love. But almost everything goes back in, when it comes to your emotional patterns. Almost everything goes back to uh, your family origin. So you may be repeating a childhood pattern. So, for example, if you um, didn't receive love from one or both of your parents that you needed as a child, you may have, you know, unconsciously made a decision like, um, I have to work hard to get people to love me. And so in relationships, what you do is you go out of your way trying to get that person to like you or to love you. And so you work hard. You run errands. You call all the time. You send cards. You do favors. You, you know, um, you buy gifts. Um, you show affection whenever you're around them. You go overboard trying to work hard for that person to like you, and it doesn't really work. It just frustrates you at some point. Or maybe you're punishing yourself. If you have low self-esteem, it causes you to attract a partner who will validate your critical opinion about yourself. So when you're in this type of relationship, if you have low self-esteem, you already have a critical opinion about yourself. You don't believe that you deserve this type of uh, love being shown. Uh, You you don't feel like you um, uh, deserve somebody loving you back. And so you put out a lot of love, but you you don't receive it. And so when the person doesn't uh, show it back in return, it validates what you, the negative thoughts that you already have about your life. And then number three, you're acting out uh, for one of your parents, one of your parents' role with the other. If you saw your mother constantly pursuing your father, trying to get him to be emotional, trying to get him to show his affection, or maybe she was always buying him gifts and he maybe didn't do the same in return, or maybe your father was always pursuing your mother, you know, um, trying to get her to be more affectionate or trying to get her to go to out to dinner more often and do things with him and maybe cuddle with him, and she, she didn't want to do it. And so you, what you concluded is that in a relationship, it is okay if one person is showing more love than the other person. So, like I said, everything goes back to the family origin, and you really have to make a conscious and intentional effort to change or become reprogrammed, so to speak, from the what you received when you were actually growing up. And that takes a lot of effort, and it takes a lot of intentional, it's purposeful, it's an intentional effort. Um, you, you have to be really strong to be able to do that, and you have to be able, you have to be strong enough to um, recognize when someone 
brings that to your attention, you have to say, yes, you know, I did see that in my family. Maybe that's where that's coming from. And then make a decision that something needs to change. The results of when, of being in a relationship uh, where you care more than the other person does is you'll end up, several things will happen. You'll end up feeling controlled by your partner because, see, you're doing more than you should be doing. And so every time you do something, they're not doing it in return. Every time they ask you to do something, you're doing it. So now you feel like you're being controlled by your partner. You'll feel like you're in, uh, you, you'll start feeling hungry for love. Why? Because you're not getting it. That person is draining you of everything, but they're not filling you back with anything. And so you start feeling hungry for love. Eventually, you'll start feeling angry. Why? Because you're thinking, I'm doing all of this and I'm not getting anything from this relationship. So you become angry. You start feeling like you're cheated in the relationship. And you are being cheated because you're giving all of your affection, all of your time, all of your love, your resources. You're investing a lot in the relationship. The other person isn't. So you are being cheated in a way because it's not a mutual exchange. And then you feel start feeling miserable, miserable about the relationship. You start feeling miserable about, you know, what you've done in the relationship. You started, you know, beating yourself up, so to speak. You know, why am I being so stupid? Why am I doing all of that? He's not doing anything. She's not doing the same thing. And so all sorts of things start things start running through your mind. And so you start feeling miserable about how about the relationship and how you have chosen to handle the relationship. Well, what's the solution to that? The solution is when you get involved in a relationship, watch out for the warning signs. You know, and those are the warning signs that we talked about on yesterday. Watch out for that needy person. Watch out for that person that is draining you, that's not paying attention to you, and you're doing more for him or for her. Don't fall into the trap of making excuses about, uh, you know, for your partner about why he or she can't love you the way that you want to be loved. Pay attention to that. You know, and then refocus, say, you know, be honest with yourself and, and evaluate the relationship and say, this is not healthy for me. And and you have to take a big stand and take a, a step and you have to end that relationship because you'll become so bitter that even when the right person comes along, you're not ready because you're so bitter from all of this, this happening to you that you're not that you won't be ready for the right person. So the first one is you care more about your partner. Uh, then your partner cares about you. Now, the second one is just the opposite. And it's that your partner cares more about you than you do about your partner. Now, that's possible, you know. So that means that you're on the other side of this thing now, okay? And so it's the opposite of what we just talked about. But if you're, if you're being distant and you're unresponsive in the relationship, then you're that person. You're the one that's receiving all the love, receiving all the gifts, receiving all the attention, but you're unresponsive. You're not, you're not giving it back. And, again, that's unfair. That's an unhealthy situation. Now, what happens in that when you are the one in that, in that place is you become defensive, when you are accused of not giving loving your partner enough. You know, I don't know what you're talking about. Why are you always talking about love? I do love you. I do care about you. Why are you always bringing that up? You become, what you mean I don't love you enough? You know, what else you want me to do? So you become def- de- defensive when you are accused or when you're questioned about why aren't you showing the same amount of love and emotion uh, in the relationship that, that I'm showing. So now you're defensive. You feel pressured or you feel controlled by your partner's demand to be loved. You know, well, you, you're pressuring me. Why are you pressuring me to love you? You just got to let me be me. You know, it's gonna, if I'm supposed to love you, it'll happen. You know, it'll just flow. You know, you start telling that other person you're pressured. You know, sometimes we get in relationships and we do things, you know, and we don't uh, put ourselves in the other person's shoes and we uh, 
sadly to say sometimes get over on people in relationships. We don't handle the, the relationship with care. We don't handle the relationship with caution. And then when we when it's when the tables are turned and it happens to us, then now we have a different response to the very thing that we did to someone else. You started feel you you maybe you start feeling uh claustrophobic in the relationship, like you you know, being smothered and you know, uh you feel like you you know, the person is too close and then you start saying things like, Well, you know, well, you know, I need my space. Maybe we should just take a break. You know, I'm gonna call you in a couple of days or in a week. I just you know, I feel like that person, you know, away from you, not realizing you're not pulling your weight in a relationship. You you it's unfair. But now you're trying to make it seem like the other person, it's the other person's fault that you're being checked on why you're not participating fairly in the relationship. And then you start feeling frustrated because your partner wants more than you can give. And in a lot of cases, it really is more than than a person can give because if they are emotionally unhealthy, they really can't give you from a place where they're not full. But a lot of times it's not that you can't, uh, that the partner, you you won't give more than uh you can't give more. The partner wants more than you can give. It's really the partner wants more than you want to give. It's intentional. You never intended to participate in the relationship fully. You just was either killing time, occupying, you know, time with that person in your life for a minute, you know, or you were doing something that was unhealthy. But it's not that you didn't have anything to give. You chose not to give in the relationship. So those are two different things. So so you can feel frustrated uh, because your partner wants more than you can give, and you can feel frustrated because your partner is demanding more than you want to give to the relationship. And so some of the reasons that you might attract this type of relationship where your partner is uh, caring more about you is, number one, you're protecting yourself emotionally. If you've ever been held or hurt in a relationship that you were, you know, really cared about somebody, really you were really in love and, uh, and you got hurt by that person, you may have made an, a, un, an unconscious or maybe a conscious decision that I'm never going to get hurt like that again. And so you put this wall up, you block it, or you get you get involved with people that you know that you know that you're not going to let get too close to you, no matter what they do. You know, I'm I'm never, you know, no, I spent, I, I dated him for three years, and this is what I get? No. Nobody else is going to get that close. Or I dated her for five or six years, and this is what she does? And so you don't let that person, you, you uh, decide that you're not going to get hurt like that again. And so what you think is, let me get involved with somebody who I don't get too emotionally attached to. They might be attached to me, but I'm not going to be attached to, to that person. So you find partners who, uh, that you won't become that attached to. Number two, you're punishing one of your parents. So if you were unloved by one of your parents, you know, it's a possibility that what you're doing is you're trying to get back at your parent. But what you don't realize is while you're trying to get back at your parent, you are hurting an innocent person. That person doesn't even know that mom and dad didn't love you or dad didn't love you or mom didn't love you or they threw things at you or they slammed you against the wall or they said hurtful and mean things to you. That person, that innocent person probably doesn't even know any of that went on in your life. They are attracted to you. They initiated or began a relationship with you or thought they were getting into something healthy, have no idea that they are an innocent target about to go down because you're about to have a field day with them trying to get back at at a parent that didn't love you. Again, it goes all the way back to our emotional, to our family origin. And then third, in this uh, type of relationship, uh, you need to be in control. 
And so this is one of those situations where you feel like you're in a control and if you if you have your partner panting after you and warning you and uh you know always asking you why don't you love me? Could you love me more? Can you show me more affection? You know, and all that kind of stuff. Then you feel like you have emotional power over them and the reality is that in some degree you do, but mainly what you're really saying to that person is that you are powerless in some in some respect. And so but you have but you since you um seem to think that you have emotional power over them and in a lot of cases you really do because they um they're not strong enough to uh, respond to you uh, in the way that they should respond to you. So when you're in a relationship like this, you're never going to be truly satisfied since you're not giving your heart completely in the relationship. You're only giving a piece of yourself, and so you're not going to be um, satisfied in the in the relationship. So the, so that's number one and two. Number three, you are love. Um, you are in love with your partner's potential. That type of relationship won't work. You're in love with your partner's potential. So you're really not in a relationship because uh, they're going to make you happy or you think there's somebody you can become have a fulfilling life with. You're looking at who that person can become. It's not even who they are right now. You're looking at the future. Who can that person become? And so really these are not relationships. These are projects. So you're not really looking at that person as a, an individual that you can develop something with. You're looking at that person as a project. This I'm, I'm going to try to form this person to be um, uh, whoever I want them to be, to have the kind of career I want them to have, have the kind of job or job position that I want that person to have. So I'm going to go out of my way trying to, to make this person be who I want them to be in the future. So these relationships are usually very um, or highly addictive, I should say, because you get hooked on what you wish would happen, and then it becomes hard to break out of it because you put a lot of work into it, and you're trying to see the manifestation of the work, and so you're addicted to uh, the wish. You know, uh, well, I, I, I stuck in here because I thought he was going to be a politician, or I thought he was going to be the president of, uh, of the company, the CEO, or I thought that he was going to get promoted and be over the department, or I thought he was going to one day open up his own business and become a millionaire, or I thought she was going to be, uh, you know, um, uh, over the whole department one day, or I thought that she was going to be making X number of dollars, and so I put a whole lot into making the relationship work. And that's really not what uh, you what you're doing. You tell yourself that your partner just needs a little bit more time because eventually, when you become frustrated, it's because they haven't reached that plateau you wanted to reach. They haven't become who you thought that they were going to become or who you wanted them to become. And so you. you Instead of leaving the relationship, you say, well, you know, maybe they just need a little bit more time. Or you, you say something like, um, you know, um, no one has ever loved my partner enough. It really takes me to love him and show him that I love him or I love her. And maybe they'll go on and reach their fullest potential and be the person that they're supposed to be and, and get the kind of job or make the kind of money uh, that that person. And then you start feeling when it doesn't work out and other people start questioning you about what's happening in that relationship. Then you start saying stuff to yourself like, well, they don't really understand him or they don't understand understand her. They're, they just are um, uh, underestimating uh, his potential or underestimating her potential. And, and you find yourself trying to uh, explain your way out, explain your way why uh, 
you are still in that uh, type of relationship. And basically, if you find yourself in this type of relationship, there are several reasons why. You might you might need to be in control. So you think that when you're in a relationship uh, to improve your partner, that you feel you start feeling superior. You start thinking that you you know you're in control and that you have power over that person. You know uh, them better than they know themselves, and you know exactly what they need to do to. Um, reach their greatest potential, and, uh, and so you think that it takes you to improve them. You know, you start making, sometimes if you're not careful, you'll make those comments that you know that, wow, with me in his life, he's going to definitely do better because I know a lot. I know a lot of things. Or it takes me, well, you know, I'm in her life, and I'm going to push her, and, you know, um, I know a little something about what she's trying to do, and, you know, or I know what she needs to do to actually make, become successful, a successful woman. So, you know, you start thinking that you, what you bring to the to the relationship is improvement to the person that you're in a relationship with. And, you know, you and basically what you're doing is you are getting so enmeshed in that person's life that you really are avoiding dealing with your own issues or dealing with your own professional growth or dealing with your own growth personally so you become enmeshed in that person like I said they become a project to you and basically what you might be doing is trying to avoid uh, your own life and your own dreams by focusing on somebody else because maybe you don't have the confidence to pursue what it is that you're supposed to be doing with your life and so you take what little bit of stamina you have left and try to focus it on somebody else's life to avoid your own life the key to a happy relationship is to feel satisfied with your partner today, not try to feel satisfied with the future, uh, in, uh, in the, for the future in your part with your partner, because the future is not here yet. So you don't, you can't really reach into the future and feel satisfied. You have to feel satisfied today with that person. So you know, having a healthy relationship with a person means loving him or her for who he or she is now, not loving uh, that person. Uh, in spite of who he uh, is today, in hopes that he'll be somebody tomorrow. So you you uh, you avoid paying, you ignore some of the things that's going on right now because you're trying to to be in love with the potential of that person. And when it doesn't work the way that you thought that it was going to work, you're going to become angry at them for not becoming who you expected them to be. You're going to become bitter that you wasted so much of your time. In the relationship, you're going to feel like you were hurt and let down because the dream that you have for that person is not being fulfilled. You know, so uh, the best thing that you can do is to accept a person for who he or she is. Don't get involved with somebody for uh, because of their potential because it's not going to work like that. Okay, so number four is you're on a rescue mission. You in a, you you get involved with somebody because you're trying to rescue that person, you know, out of a situation. You find someone who is usually wounded, fragile. They feel unloved, and then you you feel like irresistibly drawn to caring for that person. And so while you go through all of that, they you uh, they feel grateful that you're there, and then you feel like you you feel all noble. You know, because you found this person and they were just, you know, downtrodden and they kept saying nobody loved them. They can't find a decent relationship. Relationships don't work for them. You know, all those kinds of things. And then now you're on this rescue mission. You're going to say, oh, it takes me to get them out of that rut that that she's in or the rut that he's in. And so in order to do that, what you have to do is find someone who is seriously, emotionally, physically, or financially um, in a rut, they have some serious, serious problems, and so you find those people, those types of people, and you start jumping into their lives, trying to figure out how you can fix all of that drama 
that's going on um, uh, with that person. And then you, you, you often what happens is you take on this parental type role, and so you become like the parent. So not the girlfriend or boyfriend, but you now become the parent. And can I tell you, that would be frustrating trying to grow up a grown person. Right, the person is already grown, and now you're trying to parent a grown person. You're going to become frustrated uh, in that situation. It's it's very difficult to be in a relationship where you're trying to rescue that person out of something, you know, um, because God never intended for us to rescue anybody. There's a scripture that tells us that when you rescue a man, you have to keep rescuing him. So if that's the case, and it is the case, because the Word of God is true, that means that no matter what you think that you uh, have fixed in that person's life. It's always going to be another issue. It's always going to be another problem. It's always going to be another frustration. So when you rescue them from one, it's always going to be another. You have to keep rescuing them. So the relationship is a repeated cycle of you trying to rescue that person over and over and over again. And so you never get anywhere uh, with that particular person. And so... uh, don't get involved with somebody who you have to rescue over and over again. And so I want you to think about that, you know, because it's real easy to do it because um, it's kind of like a subtle type relationship. You know, you meet somebody, you're having dinner, you're having conversation, you're asking questions. Oh, tell me a little bit about yourself. And you go through all this stuff here. And then next thing you know, they're talking about, you know, every time I get in a relationship, I always seem to come in on the raw end of the deal. Nobody really appreciates me. They don't, I never really get the kind of love that I want, you know, or they come up and say, every time I take one step forward, I'm, I look like I always have to go two steps backwards. Every time I try to get up on my feet financially, an unexpected bill always shows up or something comes up. I, got, I had a wreck. Now I got to get my car fixed. You know, it, it, it's a real subtle drawing in. But um, the danger is, is that you now think that you can fix that person. Now think that it's because of you be, being in his or her life that they're going to do better. And most of the time, they don't do better. And the relationship just goes on and on and on in that same vicious cycle over and over again. And so that's not a healthy relationship. So I want you to uh, remember that. Number uh, five is you choose a partner in order to be uh, rebellious. Now, and rebellious basically towards your family. And, again, it goes back to the family um, the uh, origin. You know, some people, they don't choose partners based on who's right for them, but they choose partners based on who's wrong for the family. You know, uh, for example, uh, your white, your family is conservative white folks. They don't really care for black people. You decide, hmm. I think I'm a I'm a day black people just to get back in my family. Why are they so prejudiced? Why are they so racist? You know, and so now you go and you go and date somebody black, not because you met somebody who of a different culture or a different race than yours and it just worked out like that. No, you targeted a black man or you targeted a black woman because you wanted to spite your family. And so you do it to be rebellious or the opposite of that is that you actually, you know, you're in a, uh, you're from a black family again, conservative or don't necessarily uh, care for much for whites. And so now you go out and you date somebody of another culture that you know that's going to uh, drive your family crazy. And so you do that to be rebellious um, uh, towards your family. Or maybe it's from a social economic stance. Your family wants you to be involved with somebody who has money, who has a a good job, drive a certain kind of car, you know, maybe from a certain um, um, uh, 
family, a caliber of family, and so they, they're always on you about those types of things. And so now you're frustrated and you're angry about it, and so you go out and you pick someone that's the opposite of that, and that's the person that you bring home because you know that that rebellious move right there is going to drive your family crazy. And so you go out and you get somebody uh, from the projects, you know, uh, or from a lower economic uh, um, status, and you bring them back because you know that it's just going to drive them crazy. They're going to have something to talk about, you know. So um, that's what you do. And so are you um, – uh, uh, maybe you were brought up in uh, a Christian home and you had to go to church every Sunday, go to Bible study during the week or whatever, whatever the case may have been. And so you were constantly in church and constantly going to Christian events. And so and, and maybe they can't, your parents maybe um, uh, was quoting scriptures all the time, you know. And so then what you decided is, okay, when I get grown, I'm going to show them. So you get up and you go and get somebody who can't even spell the word church. You know, not only can they not spell, they don't go to church, they don't believe in God, they don't like God, they don't listen, they don't want to hear nothing about the Bible. So you go get involved with somebody who is totally opposite of the religious uh, upbringing that you receive just because you want to get back at the family. And so you get involved in a relationship because of rebellious reasons. Those relationships don't work at some point, I promise you. In conversation, you're going to be talking to the person that you're in a relationship with. My family used to, my mom and dad used to always take me to church. They was always uh, quoting scriptures to me. That's why I got involved with somebody who don't go to church. And then that person, if they're smart, is going to realize that you're involved with with him or her, not because you care for them, but because you're trying to spite one of your parents and the relationship doesn't work. And when you get called on it, you're not going to like it when a person brings it to your attention. Oh, so you just with me because you want to make your mom and your dad mad? And so when they question you about it, then you're not going to like that. So you're either going to straighten it out or you're going to move on to the next person. All right. And then the last one for the type of relationships that that doesn't work, um, and this is one that a lot of people fall prey to, is your partner is um, unavailable. And, uh, we, you know, that's a dangerous one. I, I it's extremely dangerous, especially nowadays with all these crimes of passion stuff going on. It's always been around, but it's more it's more prevalent and evident today. So it, when you get involved with someone who's in a relationship with another person, you're accepting that person's leftovers, or it's dangerous. You know, you're not the main the main meal, so to speak, in the relationship. You know, so uh, it's not wise to be uh, involved with people who are married or people who are in other relationships. It, it always will backfire on you. You will always come on the short end of that deal. Even if it looks like it's not, you're not getting the short end, you're going to get the short end of that deal. Okay. And so uh, here's some um, people who uh, you can tell when somebody is not um, available to you. You know, with someone, uh, with someone but promises to leave uh, uh, the relationship real soon. They'll never give you a date. They never leave the relationship. They make those promises. It never happens. So that person is unavailable. You need to let that relationship go. Or he doesn't. Or he's with someone, but he tells you, "Oh, I really don't love her. Or I really don't love him. I'm just trying to find a way to, uh, you know, ease out the relationship without a whole lot of drama, without a whole lot of uh, things uh, going on." And so, or they say, "I'm with somebody, but they're." Um, 
but uh, he's just staying um, for the kids. You know, they come they come up with all kind of reasons why they relate why they are still in the other relationship. And so you have to be wise enough and smart enough to know that when you hear these type of excuses, that this person is not making a move anytime soon, and it is not wise to be in this relationship. You know. Um, uh, or he uh, says or he or she says something like, you know, uh, I'm with someone and, you know, I'm not leaving, but I want you to stick around anyway. You know, uh, no, that's not good. You know, you're not second choice, second fiddle. You have to be first on the plate. You know, the first one in the relationship, main course in the main course in that meal. No other main dish is supposed to be in the plate, on the plate. You know, any side orders that come because of the, the lanyard of the relationship, there's some exciting things that are happening. That's your side orders, the side things that are happening, in the, the exciting things happening in the relationship. But you should not be in a relationship with someone uh, who is unavailable to you. And so those are the... Um, the five types of relationships that don't, that that won't work. You care more about your partner than he cares about you, or your partner cares more about you than uh, you care about your partner. Uh, uh, you uh, choose uh, your partner's uh, in order. Uh, you're in love with your partner's potential. Uh, that's one. Or you choose your partner in order to be rebellious, and your partner is uh, unavailable. And number four is you're on a rescue mission. And so those are the the types of relationships that won't work. Uh, and most of the time and when you're in uh, some of these relationships, you have that mentality that I'm the one. I'm the one that can bring change. I'm the one that he loves. I'm the one. I'm the one. I'm the one. And, but if you're saying that in unhealthy relationships, you're not the one. You're not the one that's going to change anything. You're not the one that he wants to be with. You're not the one she wants to be with. So you have to get rid of that I'm the one mentality because the I'm the one mentality will keep you locked in that relationship and it will keep you in a fantasy world. You will begin to have um, a fantasy. Your reality will be distorted. You will have become delusional about relationship, the relationship or relationships. And when you have a delusion about relationship and your your reality is a fantasy, then you're in danger because you're not living in the real world. You're not responding from a, uh, a, a reality place, a reality, a, a mindset of reality. You're delusional, and that's unhealthy. So get past the um, I'm the one mentality, and what you should say is I'm not the one. If you get entangled in any type of these relationships, I'm not the one. And even if you have to be the one that says to somebody, you know, I'm not the one for you. I'm unhealed. I'm not whole. I'm still bruised. I'm fra- uh, fragile. I'm um I'm hurting from a relationship. I am not the one that you need to be engaged with. It takes a lot of courage. It takes a lot of confidence to do that. But uh, if you're the one that's creating, creating the problems in the relationship, then you need to do that. And so get rid of the I'm the one mentality and move into I'm not the one. I'm not the one to be taken advantage of. I'm not the one to make to, uh, for you to mess over. I'm not the one for you to keep hanging or, or dangling uh, by the side, waiting for you to call three weeks from now, and I'm not the one that you need to get involved with if I'm unhealthy, if my emotions are unhealthy. Let's look at some spiritual um, flaws or some um, some spiritual uh Relationships that won't work, or some flaws, some spiritual flaws in relationships. That if, if these flaws are these flaws are present, the relationship is not going to work. Uh, there's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 18, verse 25, in the New Living Translation. It says, "There are friends who destroy each other. There are friends who destroy each other, and almost all the time when we start in friendships, I mean relationships, at some point, even if it's on a remedial level." Uh, some relationships, most of them start as friends. 
Even if we move too fast in a relationship, we jump ahead of some things, we all kind of start those relationships off on a friendship um, basis. And so the, uh, most of them start as friends, but there are friends that will destroy you. Okay, and so th- what I'm going to share with you right now in this segment, I'm taking from a study manual that I have uh, called Friends, Foes, and Fellow Christians. And if you go to the website, www.gingerlondon.com, to the online store under study manuals, you can uh, make a purchase of it. Uh, of this manual, but it will really help you. It's about avoiding, making good choices in your personal, business, and spiritual relationships and avoid and avoiding the wrong ties. And so I'm going to take an excerpt out of this manual and teach it to you on tonight um, on uh, friendships that destroy, toxic relationships. We're going to talk about some spiritual um, flaws that can be present in, in relationships that will hinder you from moving forward or even from getting out of or staying too long in a relationship. We were created for a relationship. I told you on another show, God created us for a relationship. We are created for, to have a relationship with him and to have a relationship with our fellow believers. He created us to be connected to one another, um, and it's in this connection with, with, in relationships with other people that we find a sense of belonging, acceptance, closeness, and commitment. Those are the things that you want in a relationship. Um, and I'm, not talking, I'm talking from a healthy standpoint right now. You want, to, you want to have a sense of belonging in that relationship that I belong in this relationship. It's healthy for me. It's mutually beneficial. I'm getting something out of it. I'm accepted in this relationship. There's a sense of closeness, and there's a commitment that um, in this relationship. But unfortunately, there are some times, you know, when people feel disconnected and they feel isolated and, and loneliness that sets in. And it's during these times that people end up connecting with the wrong people, and uh, they become overwhelmed in their lives. And so they don't realize that they're in um, relationship or superficial acquaintances that are going to result in betrayal. It's going to hurt and uh, result in a lot of hurt. It's going to result in some abandonment. We're going to be rejected, you know, because you allow loneliness and isolation to draw these relationships instead of being uh, whole in your spirit. And remember, I told you it's okay to be alone, but don't be alone and then let a spirit of loneliness set in. Because when loneliness set in, you become desperate and desperation will uh, produce all sorts of uh, dangerous uh, relationships or toxic relationships. Well, from a spiritual standpoint, the first flaw is unequally yoked. And when you're unequally yoked with somebody, there's a uh, uh, a mismatch. And the scripture tells us not to be unequally yoked with an unbeliever for what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion have light with darkness. So when uh, you talk about being yoked, which is, what that means is you're connected to somebody, you're serving one God, that person is serving another God. You're going the way that God, your God, want, the God tells, tells, is telling you to go for the direction of your life, that person is going in a different direction. And so whenever you have two people going in two different directions, you're going to have... Um, some uh, confusion, you're going to have some disappointments, you're going to have some hurt. So if you're going to flow spiritually, you have to be equally yoked, meaning that you have to be serving the same God. And uh, a lot of times we, we kind of tend to make that mean uh, spiritually mature, be on the same spiritual maturity level, but that's not always the case. But you do need to be serving the same God. You, you know, you can't be serving the true and living God and another person is an atheist and think that the relationship is going to uh It's going to work out. It's not going to happen like that. Okay, the second one is emotional and spiritual blackmailers. These are the folks that have hidden motives for getting involved with you or being in a relationship with you. And Proverbs 20, 
uh, chapter 20, verse 27 says this, the Lord, the Lord's searchlight penetrates the human spirit, exposing every hidden motive. There are some people that come into your life because they have a hidden motive. There's another agenda deep down on the inside. It's not about uh, being in a relationship where you're being uh, fulfilled or caring about you. They have another agenda. They have their own agenda, their own hidden motives. And what they'll do is they will manipulate the relationship to get that agenda met. And when the manipulation doesn't work the way that he or she wants it to, then what will happen is they begin to emotionally or spiritually blackmail you. So any information that they have on you, anything that they know about you, anything that any intimate, some of your most personable, uh, personal details, if you share it with a blackmailer, what they're going to do is when they can't get you when they can't manipulate the relationship to get you to do what they want you to do, then they turn around and make threats to you. They threaten to expose some of your personal secrets. They threaten to um, uh, tell people about you, things that people don't, you know, tell your friends what you really like, you know, or what you really do in secret, what you really do when people are not around you. They just make a lot of threats um, uh, to keep you in fear. And then fear grips you, and because you're gripped by fear because of that threat, then you end up staying in a relationship and doing exactly what they want you to do. The greatest thing you can do in a situation with an emotional blackmailer is call them on it. It is better for you to embarrass yourself than to be embarrassed. So whatever it is that they have on you, when you realize that you're in that situation where you're being blackmailed, you need to go to some family and friends and let the secret out yourself. And then so when the blackmailer try to do it, the sting is taken away from them. They don't have you you've taken back your power and the control of your life. And so don't allow yourself to be emotionally blackmailed. When you feel like when threats are being made and um you feel uncomfortable, then if you know it's true that whatever they have on you, you can outsmart that person and you can get you can you can put it out there before they um actually uh put it out there. And so listen, in order to be blackmailed you gotta be a part of the deal. So if you don't want to be blackmailed, don't be a part of the deal. The best way not to be part of the deal is don't give in to the intimidation and the fear. That the only way that they can actually do it is they have to actually instill fear in you. And you have to have a fear of being embarrassed. Uh, You have to have a fear of the outcome if they say something. Uh, So don't allow fear to grip you. And and when you uh, stand firm, even even if you did make a mistake, uh, the word of God says that God does not give us a spirit of fear, but of love a power, and a sound mind. Don't allow a person to take away love, power, and a sound mind. Because when they get your mind, uh, take away your sound mind, sound mind, what they replace it with is fearful thoughts. What will happen if somebody knows? What's going to happen if so-and-so? What if she calls my job? What if he calls my job? What if he? What if she does this? What if she does that? The sound mind is now tormented, and now you have a tormented, fearful mind. And every day you're walking around uh, on pins and needles or on eggshells wondering if um, that person is going to um, come through with uh, everything that they said. And the third um, spiritual flaw is liars, cheaters, and trap setters. If you're involved with any one of these categories, then you're in a situation or a relationship that is unhealthy. Uh Proverbs uh, 16, Proverbs chapter 6, verses 12 through 14 says, Here's the description of a worthless and wicked and wicked people. They, they are constant liars signaling, signaling, signaling their true uh, intentions to their friends by making signals with their eyes and feet and fingers. Their perverted hearts plot evil. They stir up trouble constantly. So 
that's that's what a, that's what liars are. Liars are smooth talkers. They um they purpose to crush your spirit and to deceive you, and they usually hate hate their victims. If you're in a relationship with somebody and they are constantly lying to you, they don't love you. That's not love. Love is not somebody who some you know people lie out of fear, you know, of the consequences of if they told the truth. But when you dealing with a um uh, a profuse liar or you're dealing with someone who lies on a continuous basis, you're dealing with somebody who's really, really trying to crush your spirit and trying to do you harm, and you have to recognize that. Um, uh, cheaters are people who practice trickery, not necessarily uh, intimacy cheaters, but people who tra- who, who practice che- uh, uh, trickery. You can be cheated out of your money. You can be cheated out of your uh, possessions, your material possessions. You can be cheated out of some of your time, out of your emotions. You know, so cheaters are people who who trick you, and they trick you and they take something from you. And so uh, to cheat means to obtain property through deception. And so in order to trick you, they have to be deceptive in the relationship. And so usually we don't see it when it's happening. It's usually after the fact that we actually realize that we've been ripped off, you know, or we've been deceived or we've been cheated or we've, you know, taken advantage of, um, all those kinds of things. And then a trap setter is someone um, who traps everything they want. You know, and a trap is a device that is utilized in betraying or exposing an unexpected uh, victim. The trap is set. You don't know it's set. And then it's not until you walk into something that it might. You place your foot. You know, if you if, if you uh, know anything about hunting, when people when guys go to hunt, they 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 put the trap out. Sometimes they cover the trap up with. Um, uh, grass or debris or whatever is out there, the animal doesn't see the trap. But when they walk in the spot where the trap is, then the trap snaps and closes and grips them, and they can't get out. But it, you know, but in your case, you have a way out. There's nothing, no temptation that God has not provided a way out. And but um, to set means to uh, place in a restricted position. So trap setters usually are very cunning, and they know where to find their prey. They target a particular type of person, and then uh, they are prideful in and, and they're rude, they're hateful. You know, they're clever enough to fool a lot of people, and sometimes they even fool whole families. You know, so you have to be really careful and really discerning. That's what I said earlier in the show. You have to pray for a discerning spirit. You have to pray for God to give you his wisdom so that you can make a, a good judgment call on the type of person that you're about to uh, get involved in a relationship with. You don't want to get um, involved with somebody and then find yourself in a restricted place where they have actually uh, restricted you. They've trapped you into something. And traps, of course, we know show up in many different ways. And so we don't want to be restricted uh, in the relationship. You want to be free. You want to be fulfilled. You want to uh, be happy in the relationship. You want it to be um uh, a committed relationship, you want everything mutual. Whatever you're putting in, that's what you should be getting back from the relationship. And so those are the spiritual um, flaws that you want to look at. And I'm going to give you a couple of before I open up the phone lines. And uh, if you're in the chat room, if you're registered, you can post your comment. We're going to give you some quick fatal flaws to watch out for. And most of these we all know about. You know, if a person is addicted to something, you don't want to get involved in that relationship because it's going to be three people in that three people in that relationship, you, the partner, and whatever it is that they're addicted to. And you're going to feel um, um, exhausted and cheated because they're going to really, really be in love with the addiction and not necessarily with you because 
depending on the type of addiction that has them grip has gripped them, it's hard to break a lot of addictions. And so really their first priority is the addiction. And so if you meet somebody and they're in um uh, in an addictive uh situation or pattern in life or behavior in life, you have to give them room to get help. Give them room to give them the information they need to find somewhere they can get some some outpatient treatment, some counseling, some whatever it is that they need. But you don't get involved with somebody in that type of relationship because you're going to become exhausted emotionally in those types of uh, uh, relationship. It's going to be hard uh, to get involved with somebody who has an anger problem. You know, a lot of times, oh, well, he just had a bad day. No, well, if the bad day is every day, then that person has an anger problem. If they can't control, if he can't control his temper or she can't control um, her temper, then the person has an anger anger problem. And when you're in that relationship, if you are un, um not careful, you'll make an excuse and you'll just say, oh, well, you know, um, if they wouldn't have said that to him, that he wouldn't have blown up like that. If she wouldn't have put his change on the counter like that, he wouldn't have gone off in public like that. Or if her boss would have given her the promotion, she wouldn't be screaming and hollering like that right now. She's just angry and mad because she didn't get a promotion. Well, okay, if it's every day, then that's a problem. So, People who have hot temper, who are hot temper, who go into fits of rage. The Bible tells you not to be engaged in any sorts of relationship with a man who goes into a fit of rage, a man who's fighting all the time, a person um, who's angry all the time. We're told to stay away from those types of people because that is a that is an unhealthy. Um, situ- uh, situation. You don't want to be involved with somebody who is. Um, uh, a control freak. They got to know every uh, move you make, every step you make. Uh, they got to know every phone call you've made. You know, they got to know what time you got up, what time you went to bed, what time you went to the grocery store, how long were you there? You know, um, uh, they want to know, they want to tell you what to wear. They want to tell you how to comb your hair. want to tell you what suit to put on. What shoes should you wear today? No, don't go over there. Go over here. You know, the control freaks will drive you crazy. You know, and before you know it, you've lost yourself. You've lost yourself into all of that chaos with the uh, control freak, and then you start feeling powerless, you know, and then uh, you start uh, giving in to every little detail or everything that um, that the, the control freak wants. And so don't get involved with that kind of person. It's dangerous because in most cases, when you're dealing with somebody who has a control issue, when they can't um, find you, when they can't get you on the phone, when you're not calling them back, when you're not returning their messages, their phone calls, when you're not showing up at their house or their apartment, when uh, you don't want to go out to dinner with them, they can become dangerous because they they just lose sight of everything when they're not in control. And then they actually go into that fit of rage or they, you know, lose their composure or lose uh, their temper. Um, and then another flaw that you're a fatal flaw is somebody who hasn't grown up yet. If you're dealing with somebody, a grown man, and he's a kid, he hasn't grown up yet, you're in trouble. If you're dealing with a, a woman and uh, she hasn't grown up yet, you're going to have a, a problem on your hand. You know, it's okay to desire uh, a husband or a wife, but nowhere in the scriptures are we told to grow up, to grow a husband, grow a husband up, grow a wife up. Nowhere are we told that. It's one thing to help a person through some issues, but if I have to, if that person has refused to grow up, they um, they are financially irresponsible, they're unmotivated, they're undependable, you know, um, that's not the person that you want to be with because you're going to find yourself engaged in uh, some 
uh, relationship activities. They might be bouncing checks all over the place. You know, uh, they're gonna go to where they lose. They go from job to job to job to job because they don't show up all the time. They don't do the work. Nothing. They don't do anything. And now you have to sit down and talk to them like a parent. You know, no. You're not trying to grow somebody up. You want to meet somebody who is fully grown, and then you can enjoy that relation. That relationship. So we're going to open up uh, the phone lines. If you're on the phone and you have a comment that you would like to make, again, all you have to do is press the number one, and um, it, it'll show me that you have a comment, and I'll bring you on. The way that I'm going to bring you on is I'm going to call the last four digits of your phone number. If we have two area codes, uh, two uh, several numbers with the same area code, I'll say the area code, and then I'll say the last uh, uh, four digits um, of the number. Or if we have... Um, the same beginning numbers, and most of it doesn't look like we have that. So you can listen for the last four digits of, of your number. If you're in the chat room and you're registered, that's the only way you can make a comment in the chat room is you actually have to be registered on Blog Talk Radio as a listener. Uh, other than that, you can listen as a guest, but you won't be able to make a comment in the uh, chat room. But if you are in the chat room and you uh, don't want to register as a listener, you have a, a comment that you would like to make, then you can take your phone and you can call area code 646-929-2431. Again, if you're in the chat room and you want to make a comment by phone, you can call area code 646-929-2431. And you can, I can bring you on, press the number one, and I'll bring you on and um, hear uh, your comments so, or your questions. So is there anybody on the line that would like to make a comment or question uh, or, or have a question, please press the number one. And so as you do that, as you think about what you want to say, and if you have a comment, um, I will give you some more um, um, information on some bad relationships, a couple of things that, that – uh, will cause a, uh, you to have a bad relationship, and these are ones that everybody's familiar with: lack of communication. You know, that's, if you're in a relationship with somebody, you're going to have to have good communication skills, or you would have to have a desire to improve your communication skills. So, communication is important in every relationship. So, if there's a lack of communication, then especially in a romantic relationship, it could turn into a bad relationship because you guys will not have a clear understanding about what the other person wants, or um, desires. You know, you just won't understand what's going on in the relationship because of the lack of communication in the relationship. Um, also, if there's any dishonesty or, or infidelity in the relationship, it's going to turn out bad. And if there's any pride um, involved, you know, we can be very prideful at times. You know, uh, we don't like our feelings hurt. We don't like to be told. We don't like to be straightened out. You know, and all those kinds of things that we put let pride get in the way. And when pride gets in the way, you stunt your growth. Because sometimes what a person has to say to you is something that you need to hear, but we block it sometimes with pride, and we miss the opportunity to grow. And you have to always keep pride in its proper place, and don't ever miss opportunities to grow. So we have someone um, that wants to make a comment. The last four digits of your phone number is 7992, and so I'm going to bring you on. Hello, you're on the air. How are you? Hi, Ms. Lawson. How are you? I'm good. Okay, um, well, you touched on quite a few areas and quite a lot of stuff on tonight, which has all been great. But uh, I just really had a comment on, I think, when you started talking about all uh, the different areas from um, from your book that you have about the trickery and about a lot of different things like that. 
But I wanted to make the comment that a lot of times I find, too, when you were talking about addictions, that a lot of times people think that addictions are just a chemical uh, mm-hmm. addictions or, you know, addiction to materialistic things. But the worst thing that I've also experienced and known people to have is to meet someone that's actually really addicted to themselves, that they're so self-centered about themselves yeah. that they feel like everything about them is what's going to make the perfection of the relationship as long as you just become pretty much addicted to them. They want to be the one that is it's not even controlling. They just want you to just cannot operate without them. You can't function without them. They, you know, and they feel personally like they have actually are bringing this life uh, to you in the relationship. And I've known quite a few people that have gotten, um, you know, caught up to someone that's pretty much addicted to just wanting that person always feeling like they're over-admired, that the person has to talk about them all the time, that they get a hype off of that person always is bragging about, oh, well, this person, he did this and he did that. And another one with wanting your mate to have to be on that same compatibility line as your sister's husbands or your girlfriend's husbands yeah. or their mates because, that's why there's a different makeup in the group that you're in or there's a difference between you and your siblings. So it's like, why do you feel like you have to either have someone that's going to be on the same level with them uh, financially because just because right now they're, say, a six-figure family, is he a man that if something happens and he goes down to five figures that he can still just realize he needs to support his family? Whereas if you're dealing with someone who's pretty much been blue-collar, but he's faithful and committed about, you know, how he spends his money and what he does with his family, then stop trying to, you know, allow ladies like to push, how to push that mate into being in an environment to get a six-figure salary so that, you know, they feel like they can have this bragging rights, and then they lose that person. And when that person walk away, they're like, so what happened? So it's a difference to encourage someone to do better, and it's a difference in people pushing people out of their elements just because they want yeah. to be a part of a certain social cycle. You have to, you know what I'm talking about, Ms. Ms. Londa? Yeah, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah. You know, and I like that about being addicted to themselves because you have a lot of people, a lot of single adults who are self-centered, you know, and selfish, and they enter into relationships and they come into the relationship with that selfishness and that self-centeredness. And how dare you tell me I'm selfish? How dare you tell me I'm self-centered? But not only that, how dare you not cater to me? You know, and they have right. a mentality they like of to cover it up with saying they like to cover it up with saying, you know, I'm just a confident person about myself. Yeah. And if that female will sit back and watch how they interact with the other males that's in their circle, they're always trying to either shoot one of their friends down, you know, like, Man, is that the same shirt that you had last week? And then she'd be like, Oh yeah, because you know, he's always just on point. No, he's on point because he spends so much time trying to make everybody seem like they're trying to live up to him or that other people are beneath him, but that's how he involves his inner circle. And sometimes they will seek out a female that's pretty much the same way. But then after a while, that's going to get that's going to clash because if there's any desire to live a life that's godly, that lives a life that's holy and acceptable unto God, there's no way you can stay self-centered and then want to put God 
in the head of your relationship and in your life. And then if one gets there before the other one, trust me, there's going to be a lot of conflict because then there's a disconnection because then now there's, they're not equally yoked anymore. And then people, like you say, they want to stay there because now they feel like I invested this time and, mm-hmm. you know, Peter's going to be right there for a minute or she's going to be right there for a minute. And the biggest mistake that I've seen now with relationships is people feel like, well, I've invested some time in it. Oh, come on. You can't live with trying to stay in a bad situation because you feel like, well, I invested some time. Who actually told you that that was the best investment? Right. Even the people on Absolutely. Wall Street, I think if they would get like a Holy Ghost Wall Street or something, <laughs> when, the, when it drops, stop waiting to see if it's going to always stick back up. But sometimes when it's time to just let it go, you have to let it go and not worry about what people say. I mean, if you meet this person on the first of the month and you pretty much see on the seventh that it's not looking good, why well, I feel like, well, I'm going to give it 30 days. Who told you you had to give it 30 days? Use your intuitions that may be, and like you said, making excuses for them. We get in, especially relationships, and we want to put God as the head. Our life, God gives us a thing called discerning. And if you're not going to use it, and you only want to use it after you feel like this person attended church with you enough and everybody at the church or something like that, then what happens to that spirit of discerning when you're not at the church, when you really see that this person has a form of godliness and is not actually living a godly life? I mean, how long are you going to keep trying to, you know what I'm saying, yeah. cover up for those flaws? It's just it's not healthy. Right. And it, and it's, it's out, you know, it it's... It, it's, you said a, a mouthful there. You got the the one that's not doing well. Then you got the people like for just say for example the self centered person, you know, and 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 uh, the self uh, selfish person. Sometimes it goes back to what I said about the person gets um, they they fall in love with that person's potential. They don't even see that as a sometimes that could happen. Right, those two could clash. Right there, you got the the the, the self centered person, and then you got the person that's falling in love with. Uh, the self-centered potential because usually self-centered people they're usually bragging about themselves and they really are not all that you know they do a lot of bragging and they do a lot of like you say pointing out other people's flaws and uh, other people's shortcomings and they don't point out their own and they they boast and they lift themselves up until you get until you get into a conversation with them and find out there's it's a lot of superficial stuff going on in there and so you know you have that you know these two come together and they clash, and so there's a lot of disappointment because the selfish person or the self-centered person is not about to give up nothing, you know. And so, right, then you, right, right. Like even like you say on a job, that particular person always will come back and keep saying, "Well, you know, they don't want to give me the promotion because they know I'm gonna show them up and I want to do this." No, they don't want to give you the promotion because you're so busy sitting around bragging about yourself. Your production is down. Your attendance is down. And you keep wanting to make excuses. You want to use the, you know, the racial excuse. You want to use, oh, they're just scared that you want to, you know, take over the company or people going to really see how where you are. And they're so busy puffing themselves up that they fail to realize that it's only a real thin line that's keeping them there. And then she keeps saying, like you said, well, I really thought he had more potential. Why? Because he was self-centered. Most self-centered people really don't elevate well in a work environment, 
and they really don't work well trying to elevate in a Christian environment because they're always trying to either out be able to quote scriptures or try to feel like they can revelate the word of God deeper than someone or, you know, people just don't want to see them grow in the body of Christ. Why? Why is it if you've been to five churches, everybody want to not see you grow? You know, like you say, that self-centeredness can really be a part, but when they tie up with the mate that's self-centered, trust me, those two are headed for a wall of destruction, and they just don't see it. And they have this thing that they say everybody is jealous, and like you were saying, a lot of people actually set themselves up because if two different people have two separate agendas, but they have a common ground, which is self-centeredness, it's not just gonna crash. It's gonna clash every time. And just like you said, a lot of it is trickery, and a lot of it is just being self-centered, and a lot of it is addictions. And like you were saying, the brother, all that tied together is all completely unhealthy forever. <laughs> Yeah, it is. It is. It's unhealthy, and you know we're we're challenged as um, as single adults um, to um, to to pay attention to that, and we have no excuse today. You know, years ago they didn't have as much out on um, relationships as they have out now. Now, if you if you really are concerned about um, you know, doing better, making the right choices, and all those kinds of things. Then you should read. You got to read a book. Read a book. If you have to go to a seminar, go to a seminar. If you have to go to a counselor, a relationship counselor, go to the relationship counselor. Go and get the necessary, uh, develop the skills that you need, and get the knowledge that you need. So you can. So this won't be a lot of trial and error for you. That's where a lot of people become disappointed, become discouraged because they do too. You know, too many relationships are trial and error. And so, and most of the time it's more error than anything. And so to avoid going through the trial and, the trials and errors and going through the, having all the baggage that comes as a result of having to go through all these different relationships, go and learn how, um, learn some things about yourself and then learn how to have a good relationship. I mean, it's just way too much too many resources out there uh, available, whether it's on CD, DVD, you know, uh, books, audio books, anything you, any category you can think of, you can get something on relationships. And it's going to be crucial because the more the, you increase your knowledge, that's when you become powerful. It's when you have knowledge. The Word of God says, for my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. If you keep reading, it's just because they reject it. And there's... When you reject it, it's because it may be because you don't want to improve or you don't want to acknowledge that you don't know what you should know or you don't know as much as you uh, would like to know. You know, hey, get a book, curl up with a cup of coffee or some tea or whatever, and, and sit in the privacy of your home and learn about this so that you can get it right. It's unfair. I'm going to keep saying it. It's unfair for you to pray for God to want, for you to want God to send somebody into your life who is Mr. Right, Miss Right, and you are not Miss or Mr. Right. It's unfair for you to say, God, send somebody that's going to love me, you know, that's going to love me, or somebody I can love, and all those kinds of things, and then you actually are unlovable, or you are hard to love. That is unfair. It has to be mutual. So you have to get to a place where you understand relationships. If you don't get there, you're going to keep messing up in relationships, you know, 
We got to learn how to do them, period. And then whatever you learn, you practice it by putting those. If you learn good community, how to have good communication skills, you'll know when you've learned it is when you actually start communicating with somebody. And you put those skills and those principles into practice, and you see how they work for you. You know, we got to get away from, you know, when you can't have your way, you know, you're screaming, shouting, hollering, using profanity because that's what you saw people in your family do. And so that's the way you think you're supposed to do relationships when you know, you get into an argument. You don't know how to have a, a peaceful argument. Your arguments gotta be, you have to be, you gotta have big blowout arguments where people all down the street can hear you because that's what you grew up with. So you think that's the way it's supposed to go, and you wonder why you can't have better and why you're not experiencing better. It's because you don't know better. When you know better, you'll do better. You know, so you you have to intentionally not do better uh, if you know better, and it has to be an intentional. Uh, practice to not do better. You can't just have that in your spirit and not do it unless you purposefully choose not to do better. So you have to increase your knowledge in the area of relationships. If you if we're gonna get this thing right, you have to teach it. So you may have to listen to more than one teaching on relationship. You have to begin to build a foundation or a base where you say here here are the value, the core values and beliefs that I have about relationship according to the word and according to my life experience. You know, here are the things that had to change that I had to change about myself because I was incorrect here. You know, if you want to get it right, then you have to get the right information um, in your hands, in your spirit. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Right. Like, like, um, this is like, I'm beginning to see, like, a lot of people now, I have nothing against any dating sites. I mean, for that's what, if that works for, I guess, for some people, fine. But I find that it's amazing that even once people meet each other, before they take the time to tell the person about the things that they have achieved and the things that they know are achievable in their life, they harp a whole lot more on all the the negatives and all the things that have caused their past hurts and how a person has hurt them. And it's okay to let them know that there's certain areas of our relationships or some things that, you know, you might have fell short on or how this person might have mistreated you. But before a person just blatantly, flat out mistreat you, they have to then see from your conversation what your weakness is. You can't mistreat me by calling me out my name unless I've said, you know, it really bothers me when somebody says, hey, you. Or it really bothers me when a person acts like they don't hear me. You know, sometimes it's okay to let a person know there's some things that you have a pet peeve about. But mm-hmm. why spend so much time indulging in the things that really which make you feel low about yourself instead of telling a person the things that you're proud that you have achieved and accomplished through your growth in some broken relationships that you've had, that when they ask you to describe yourself, the first thing they say is, I have a great personality, you know, I really like people, you know, I'm really helpful. Why not say I'm a woman of integrity? You know, I've developed into a woman, you know, that believes that if you want something, you have to strive for it. Everything cannot be given to you. I'm a woman that I want to connect with someone who has a vision, not who can speak a vision, but if you say you have a vision, within the next 72 hours or so, I see where you're working towards that vision. It may be something that may take five years to be accomplished, but I should be able to see almost on a monthly basis steps that you're taking toward that vision, not having to remind you of 
well, when are you going to check on? I mean, if you're going to tell me your vision, why do I have to keep reminding you on when are you going to check on some yeah. of the foundational structure things, you know, that you need for that relationship or you get offended, like, so why are you trying to push me into my vision? I know when I'm going to do it. Well, if you say you're going to do it in five years, when did you really find out that you had this vision? Was it before I came along or, or you know, do your five years keep going? Five years every time you meet somebody else, so now it's 15 years later. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and it's still there. And some people get caught up with the talk of the vision, but they don't see the works towards that vision. And they'll stop the progress that they're doing because they just want to hold on to that person's vision. You come along as a helpmate. You come along as that person that's there to be supported. Most of the time, it's not going to really clash a whole lot. Something about what your dreams are with that person, there's there's a common ground where they're going to cross path at some particular point. I mean, you're not going to find too many men that want to open up five car washes, but you're dealing with a woman who says, I don't even like to do dishes, or I don't even like to clean up, or I don't even have time to even go to a car wash. You know, mm-hmm. it has to be something that she likes to do that's going to work. You know what I'm saying? I just can't see where you just totally say this person says, well, I want to be a chef, but then you have a mate who she doesn't even want to be supportive with, making sure that even if she don't want to wash all the dishes, that at least let's make sure we got an industrial dishwasher where I, I can load the dishes. You know, you can't just think that person is just going to make all your dreams come true and you don't put any work in it other than just figuring, well, you know, I'm cuter than the last girlfriend or I can articulate better than the last person that uh, he said that he was with. That comparison thing is just, that has been one I found to be one of the biggest hindrances in commitment. This commitment phobia is getting, is just becoming just, this just gone because everybody wants this ideal, like, person that they've just drawn and sketched, and it's just an outline. And in the outline, there's never any pyramids, like they say, in it that builds up on anything. If we need five important groups to live, there should be five important points that we need to even develop a relationship. Don't you think, Ms. London? <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good way to put that. That is a good way to put it. We spend we spend a lot of time, you know, uh, uh, sketching out and outlining and, you know, writing down, you know, what we wanted to make. And nothing is wrong with that if you're making your, your list from a healthy mind and a healthy emotions. There's nothing wrong with that. But remember this, and, and I, God revealed to me this years ago, you know, we all have preferences, but we're not all preferred. So just because that you got certain things on your wow. list doesn't mean that that uh, your list matches some like you meet somebody and say, "Wow, he he, ooh, he he lines up or she lines up with everything on my list." That may be true, but just because you prefer that person doesn't mean you're preferred by that person. So even though you make a list, you have to be prepared that whatever you have on your list may not line up with what the list the, on the with the list uh, the person who you start dating has. And so that's where you have to make a decision. You know what is that? What is it I'm willing to compromise on? Or you know. Um, how far off are our lists? You know, uh, oh goodness, you know, what's the deal here? You know, because we 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 tend we tend to become um, um, 
focus on our own list when we're making it, and then we start, you know, checking off stuff. When we meet people, not realizing, well, he probably has a list or she has a list too, and she's checking off some stuff. You know what I'm saying? So the best that I agree with what you say is when, get, when you get to that place where they say, well, tell me a little bit about yourself, then that's the time That's the time you need to come clean about. You're, you're a woman of integrity. You're a woman who has a vision for life. You're um you're friendly, you're outgoing, you know, you like to do certain things. It's the same thing for the guy. You know, I'm a man of integrity, and I'm a gentleman, yada, yada, yada. I had a brother tell me today, you know, that um, uh, when he does nice things for uh, women, he's been told by some women that because he was doing those nice things initially, they thought that he was running a game on them. I'm like, wow, who would think that? But that's where the mindsets of people are now. We have relationships, all of the wrong types of relationships have been magnified um, uh, so loudly and put out there in front of us through movies and everything else on down the street, on the corner, next door, and through our families. All the negative stuff and all the negative type relationships have been magnified. So we are people have drawn the conclusion that the negative stuff is the way the, that the relationships are supposed to go. And if a guy is doing anything opposite of the negative, then he must have something up his sleeve. If he's being a real gentleman, he must have something up his sleeve. If she's being uh, real nice and calm, she got something. So she's about to explode any minute now, you know, because we've been conditioned by society to. Uh, to think the wrong things about relationships and to take the things that are negative and then try to make them to the normal way of acting when they're not the normal way. You see somebody standing on the street corner and they fist fighting a man and a woman, you know that's not normal. That's not a normal way to have a relationship. And so those are, you know, but those are the relationships. But you think those relationships are working. They're really not working. Because if I'm on the street corner in front of everybody fighting the guy that I'm dating, fist fighting him, going blow to blow, that's not a healthy relationship. I don't care. We don't even have to be a rocket scientist to know that some of the stuff that we see happening openly now with relationships is not of God. That is not the way it's supposed to go. I don't want to even be in that kind of relationship. I want a peaceful Calm relationship. Period. I do not want to be fist fighting sure. anybody. You know, and so we the same way. Get... Like when you were saying how if a guy is doing certain things, and we over and over or sit and we'll make a list. But why is it that for some reason when this list is made, somewhere in the back of your mind you figure if a list of things that you would like, why does it have to fit a certain outward exterior? Of a person Because if you want this person to have this Good heart and you know Love family and all this here Then why does he have to look like He's a picture perfect person Off of a postcard Or off of some TV ad Which is something that they're using To promote something that they're trying to sell Whereas the person that you come That you meet Just doesn't look like You know this centerfold guy And you're figuring well, you know, he has all these qualities, but uh, how are my children going to look? Okay, what happens if you get the little cutesy, cutesy children, and then they just full of a whole bunch of, you know, little demons because it's a generation of traits that this man actually in his family bloodline, you know, they have a lot of mental illness, but they're cute. You know, a lot of things after a certain time and age in your life, you have to really go past some of these things and get some maturity. Yeah, when we're little, we sort of pattern 
you know, what we want after either what our father was like, or uncle, or someone that was a strong male figure. But when you go to the realistic part, are you the type of woman that this man is actually married to? So you're trying to attract someone that's pretty much like your auntie's husband. But do you possess any of the characteristics that your auntie has? Your auntie loves to cook for her husband and wash and keep a clean house. You like to go out to eat and just figure, you know, I'll get to my wash when I get to it. But you want a husband like what your auntie has. I mean, you can't. It's, it's fine that you like the characteristics of the man, but do you have the actual characteristics of the woman that he's married to that you admire? Do you have a family member be someone that you know? I mean, you can't say, well, I want a husband like him, but you don't possess what it took or what characteristics that she had that even connected to that particular man. And the thing, too, did he always have those same characteristics or was it something that was developed throughout their relationship? But people don't take the time to sit anymore and ask people, you know, when you all met, you know, because real couples and really uh, godly-based couples or just real couples, they're going to sit and say, when I first met him, he was content with just, you know, what he was doing because he was taking care of his family. Then an opportunity came along, and I was like, okay, well, baby, you really can, you know, dictate really good when we have a family reunion, you do this, that, and the other. You know, why have you never really thought about that on your job? Some people are okay with just being, you know, just go there, and they're fine. Some people figure, no, I don't want to mess with that because if I go right there, then what if, if they see me achieving something, then they cut my pay. Well, any given time, your pay can be cut, be it you the one that opened the door or you the one that the door is being opened for. So a lot of times we have to stop trying to see what the end of these people's relationship was after 15 years and find out what was the beginning thereof. I mean, the Bible even says that. Better the end of things than the beginning thereof. Some things had to go, and are you willing to take the steps and go through what that person went through for that relationship to get there? You know, a lot of people say, oh, well, we had some ups and some downs, but sometimes you need to pull them to the side and say, well, when you say ups and downs, I'm not trying to get into your personal relationship, but what are some of the things that you had to, you know, change within yourself or that you saw change within your husband while you all were dating, when you were married? Were you there for each other way before you even had kids, where you had time to grow with each other? Were kids right there, and then y'all had to re-fall in love with each other all over again once the kids were gone? People don't look at the total aspect of the relationship part. They just look at what's looking cute and picture-perfect to the group of friends or family or the people that they're trying to impress. And at the end of the day, when you go into that address and you close that door, you have to deal with what's on the other side of that wall. Just like those people are dealing. That's why when things happen, people be like, oh, I didn't see it coming. I know you didn't because you don't live with those people. You right. understand the holding hands and the ride to church together and children sitting there and not tearing up the pews. You know, there's a whole lot more to it. <laughs> right. And it's also, you know, it is now a lot of people getting um get involved in, in, in relationships from a fantasy perspective. You have a lot of men and women who have unre- unrealistic uh, uh, perceptions and expectations of a relationship. So they get married because they're living in this fantasy world. You know, I'm going to get married because my girlfriend got married, and she got a lot of gifts. And then after she had the, the bridal shower, she had the wedding. She got some more gifts. She got all this attention was on her. So what they do is because they're trying to compete 
with another person that they know and they're living in this fantasy, you know, or they're watching too much TV or they got this knight in shining armor mentality or he has that damsel in distress mentality. And so what they do is you're trying to build a relationship off a of fantasy. And so and, and somebody might be crazy enough to marry you. But then when they do get into a relationship with you or they do marry you, they still have to you are still you you still want them to live out that fantasy. They find it hard to be in a relationship with you because the fantasy isn't real. And so here you are comparing yourself to your girlfriends. Well, her husband bought her this. Why don't you buy me that? Your girlfriend gets pregnant. Then now you want to get pregnant. You know, your girlfriend had another baby. Now you want to have another baby. You know, it's all sorts of things that go on uh, in a fantasy that somebody creates. And so they get into the relationship not because you you care about the person or you just want to have a good, strong uh, relationship with the person. You're doing it because you're trying to make a fantasy come real, become real. You're trying to make it come Correct. to life. And so that's a struggle. Correct. Because the other You know, person, like sometimes, you know, when you grow up as best friends and, you know, you make these little packs like, you know, we're going to go off to college together. You know, we want to meet a certain type of mate. But then you fail to realize sometimes there are other factors that's unexpected because, see, when you're praying for the mate, a lot of people pray for, you know, the physical aspect, certain things that they want. But I never hear one that says, well, I need this person to be a person that has healthy living. I need this person Mm -hmm. that if they have generation of diabetes or different things in their bloodline, that this person is a person, God, that's going to look at it to where they'll take the time to, you know, watch what they eat and be careful what they eat. Because at any given time, whenever most people, if they haven't learned how to deal with stress, get in these stressful jobs and these stressful situations, it starts affecting their health. Okay, well, your girlfriend had her baby. You're ready to have one. Well, you know, push the man into so much of trying to please this fantasy that you have. His body is so stressed that it's not producing like he needs it. But right outwardly, he looks healthy. But inwardly, his body is in turmoil. So now you can't have your baby on the same timeline with your friend because of the fact that your husband is so stressed out because he's trying to do so much that his body is not relaxed enough to even have the time to be intimate with that person to even take and achieve having the next child or having a child. And then they just keep saying, oh, you just don't want me to be happy. Oh, you just want, you know, I told you what I wanted. Right. But you listed a whole lot of materialistic stuff along with it that he has to either work long hours, hard hours to get, and then you still want to keep up with this pack with your friend. And they never see that they're asking for too much. Same way with the men. They never see what they're asking too much. It's like, well, you knew I wanted two children. Well, that was fine, too. But I didn't know that you were going to go and get in this much debt, and then I was going to have to work extra or a second job. So then we got this daughter this debt, and my body is stressed and tired, so it's not producing like it should, so it's not going to perform the way it should. And then before they look at it as I need to just calm down and focus on my house, they're too busy focused on this other house, and theirs is going in despair. And then, like you said, that's where the infidelity come in because now that person wants what they want at all costs. To the right. point where, like you said, with trickery, they will go and meet an outside person that has the similar characteristics of their mate just to make it seem as though I'm still on a timeline with my friend girl because I want my baby and her baby to be in kindergarten together. I mean, some things... There's fine that you have these packs, but then there's a time in life when you have to grow up and realize my life has taken this path and that person's life has taken that path. Even twins' lives eventually take different paths. Mm-hmm. I don't care how much, you know, they want to, 
you know, get married on the same day and try to have the babies on the same day. Sometimes it does happen. But then you got to realize there are different things that's going on. Some people, you know, you might have married the guy that went to medical school and your friend married the guy from medical school, but one of them could have had a family that had more family financial support than the other one. Her husband didn't have a lot of student loans, but yours did. You know, we have to spend enough for him to pay for those student loans. You know, the other people, mm-hmm. they had, you know, scholarships and stuff that they qualified for. It's a whole lot of factors. And when people start looking at what's in their house and in their relationship and stop trying to make it be competitive with somebody else's, then a lot of this, well, how can you be with somebody for seven, eight years and dating, and then you get married and in seven months you're separated? What happened? Because you was accepting so much when you were dating for the fear factor that that person would go along, that after they got married you figured they should stop it. And it's like, why, when it was acceptable for seven years, why do you want them to just stop it when they say, I do? Absolutely. And again, another major problem. Another major problem. And then you have the people... Uh, uh, um, that's where I want to put it. Those who have those unrealistic, um, or I'm just going to call it those who are delusional. When they when it's a fantasy, you it's delusional. The danger in being connected to somebody or in a relationship with somebody who has fantasies, who who's not living in the real world, and who's delusional about um, their lives. You know, the danger is when they get what they want from you, they're going to actually leave. They're going to leave. they're going to stop it because I've I've only wanted I've only wanted A, B, C, and D from you. That's as far as you go in the in the fantasy. That's it. You know, and they'll go to the point of getting married, whatever they got to do to make the fantasy comes become real. And you think that somebody really cares about you and whatever, and you will know it because in that once they marry, and that or they get heavy into the relationship. If you start uh, bucking against the rea- the fantasy, they become irate. Then they become hostile. Then they become violent. Because how dare you distort my reality? How dare you challenge uh, what it is that I want to do? How dare you tell me it's unrealistic to do this right now? How dare you tell me I shouldn't have a baby because my friend is having one? You know, how dare? Because now you're messing with my reality. And what you're really doing is you're challenging me, my fantasy. You're challenging me to come back down to earth into reality, and I don't want to do that. I want to stay in the fantasy zone. And so as long as I'm in the fantasy zone, I feel safe. But now I'm not realizing that I'm not safe there, you know. But when you get connected to somebody, male or female, and they're in a fantasy zone, if you stay, once you realize that they, their perception is, you know, their reality is diluted, it's, they're, they're, from a, they're moving from a delusional place, um, if you stay there, then don't complain about anything that happens because it's going to get chaotic with them because they're not realistic. They're delusional. I mean, they're all the way on a whole nother plane. So if you stay connected to somebody who is uh, living in a fantasy world, it's not realistic. Then if you choose to stay there, then don't complain about anything that they do because I I, I guarantee you they're going to do some unexpected unbelievable things in the relationship. It's going to throw you for a loop, the stuff that they'll do. They are all, in the beginning, they're all, they all lovey-dovey, they're all up under you because that's what they're trying to do is they're coaching you and baiting you in. Those are the trap setters. They trap you, they bait you in. And once they get you to become locked into the relationship, if they test the waters and you do the first thing they ask you to do, then they're going to lock you in. And then when 
You do the second thing. Well, by the third thing, you realize who you're dealing with. The minute, the minute you start bucking the system, so to speak, or coming against that fantasy, then you go. Then you'll find out that you're engaging with somebody who is hostile, who's violent, you know, because how dare you challenge. I had this thing already mapped out. You can't change the game plan now. What you mean I can't do this right now? What you mean we're not going to do this? They, You know, because they've already had it mapped out. And so when you start saying, well, no, it's not good. We're not going to do that right now. This is not the best time to do that. They don't care anything about best time. They just want it right now because that's what the fantasy says. The fantasy says right now is the time that it's supposed to happen. And nothing will devastate you more than to be in a relationship with somebody who's delusional about life, delusional about relationships, and you find out that in the midst of that fantasy and delusion and all of that delusional stuff, that they really was taking advantage of you because you were an easy prey. That's dangerous Correct. because you will, you will become angry at that point. So that's what I mean by you have to um, learn about relationships. You have to pray and ask God to show, you know, give you some resources that you can learn about human behavior. Why do people lie? Why do they cheat? Why do they um um, why are people self-centered? You know, why do they pick the people that they pick? You know, uh, partners who don't love them the way they look. Learn about these things. Learn about human behavior because when you do that, you can make better choices. You can make wiser choices and you can make more godly choices. Because when you see those warning signs and those red flags come up at the, at, you know, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, one time I um, went um, out on a date with this guy, and I met the guy at the at the restaurant, and we were sitting at the restaurant, and so we were just talking. So of course, you know, when you're at the restaurant, they're going to ask you initially, do you want um, a glass of wine with your meal, or do you want some type of alcoholic beverage while you wait on your meal? So I don't drink, and so my answer was no. Well, he said no too. Well, you know, on the dinner table at the restaurant, you know, they always have pictures of the desserts, right? And then they also have pictures of uh, the uh, alcoholic beverages that they serve, whether it's wine or whatever the case may be. Well, they had a picture of this margarita uh, on the table. Well, I didn't think anything at first. We were just talking. And, and, and just picture this. We're sitting, you know, face-to-face in a, like a little booth. So I didn't think anything. All of a sudden, he started he started to um, lean into the table. Well, that's not uncommon because when you're talking, you might lean in, put your elbows on the table while you're chit-chatting with the, with the other person. But he started leaning a little farther than normal. So, And I noticed that he was leaning, but he was leaning to the right. Well, to the right was the picture of the margarita drink. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he was leaning into the the picture of the margarita drink, and when he got close to the picture, he said, "Wow, that margarita looks so good." He literally leaned into the picture, and I knew right then. I said, "Uh oh, this brother has leaned into the picture while we're talking." So had I been someone else, had I not been Minister Ginger London, or you know, a Christian as he knew, and he was supposedly a Christian too, but you know how that goes, but. Anyway, had I not, had he not been thinking Minister Ginger London, he probably would have ordered um, the uh, the margarita. Yeah. He wanted he wanted yeah, that <laughs> he wanted that drink so badly that he he didn't even realize what was happening to his body. He literally he didn't realize he was leaning into the to the picture, and I'm talking about a photographic picture. He's he's leaning to the place when he, when he finally got his face. Real close to the picture, he said, "That margarita looks so good." 
And I was like, okay, so you know what? I know what's going to happen here. When this dinner is over, this guy going to be in his car. He'll be headed home, and he's going to stop, and he's going to get him a drink so from, some, from somewhere. He's going to hold. He's going to curtail it. He's not going to do anything right now because we're, you know, he's. But if I had been anybody else, that brother would have got that drink. But what that said to me was, because if you can look at a picture and be taken you know, and be overwhelmed like that with a picture of a drink, a drink. then I already know that you you probably do a lot of drinking, you know, because, I mean, just a picture. Never mind, we're talking. And while we're talking, he was focused on the on the margarita drink, the picture. So now that was the first time that happened. But, you know, those are warning signs. If that's something you, you, have a, you don't mind putting up with, but. Whatever your standards are, whatever your core beliefs are, I promise you, if you if you compromise them at any point during a dating relationship, that person is going to let you compromise them, and then later on they're going to say, well, I didn't make you do that. You said you didn't drink. You said you were a Christian. You said this. You said they're going to bring you back to what you initially said to them. They're going to say, you always, I told you who I was. Now, in my case, I didn't know, you know, and he never to this day, you know, he's never really said that, you know, that he was a drinker or whatever. But the the body language and what happened that informed me that, you know what, if you date this guy, it's going to be a struggle because at some point he's going to say he wants a beer. He's going to say, I want an alcoholic drink. And you have to come to terms with whether or not you want to actually be engaged with somebody who might drink too much or he drink often or he drinks every day, you know. And so... uh when I left, I knew that 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 was that was not it for me, and so it was no sense in you know keep calling him. We had one other conversation I think after that, but then he got moved to another city, so it, we didn't even have to go through this long spiel, you know, about everything because he got promoted and moved to an, out of town. But just picturing him falling into that drink was way too much for me, you know. So I can right, imagine but like if I say, sometimes I do believe God has this way of just. Taking you where you really don't have to get in too much of a compromising conversation or issue because he'll literally just ease that person along, and it is it, it, the transition is so smooth to where you get so tickled, or you just say, "Well, uh, there's one situation I didn't have to try to find the proper words to say this is not going to work because, like you said, if he felt like that." And he got that so distracted. I mean, it's sitting there. I mean, it could look good, but for you to get so distracted to where you lean over into it, then that means either he needed to stay focused or it wasn't just a casual thing. Because if it was a person that drinks something casually, they wouldn't have got that distracted. It's like, yeah, okay, it's, well, either I, I'm going to have one or I'm not, or it's an either or. You wouldn't get that distracted off of it. Right. But... It, Again, we as, like you say, as Christians and just as single adults just have to realize even if you want to not challenge a decision but put in the input, stop thinking because you've had six good weeks of conversation with this person and then they touch on the area where it really disturbs you that if you say something, then that person might blow all up and walk away and then you got to show face with somebody the next weekend where it was six weeks but we didn't go ahead. Stop this thinking that every time you you wash your opinion that this person, if they don't like your decision and they run off, then that is letting you know that person just really is not mature enough to just realize people have the right to have 
separate opinions or it's okay to disagree, but if it has to get so blown out of proportion and every time you look around it has to be brought back to that and it's now so many months later, that's a person that doesn't know how to let go things and you're going to always have that same cycle of going around and around and around and around that whenever you challenge something or question something or even ask them to elaborate on it, and they really can't elaborate on it because they only have learned how to make a presentation as though they know something about it and really can't elaborate on it, and they push it under the rug, that's because they're only trying to impress you. Because, I mean, if you bring up a certain subject and I'm not aware of it or don't know, I'm going to ask, well, will you elaborate? Well, don't bring up topics if you know you don't have the knowledge of it and you're just trying to be impressive because somebody is going to challenge you. Yeah. And before we go. Yeah, yeah um, I know it's been time well spent, and I know you don't have all night because we can go on and on and on with relationships. So I'm going to let you all give me out there so you can do your wrapping up summaries. I plan to follow this in every night. So I really hope that we get some other people that can come on and that they can start up, you know, voice their opinion and we can get, uh, some input, hoping that we have listeners in other regions because I found out, too, culturally that different parts of the United States and different regions and environment sort of view relationships a whole lot different depending on just that family background, that family structure, the religious. And we don't want to be, I guess we will say, we don't want to get into a relationship debate, but just to see, hear some other uh, views because yeah. sometimes you meet people and they immediately say, oh, I can tell you a woman that's out of the South or, you know, certain things that stands out about us because of the region or where we're from actually comes through in how we react, how we speak, our mannerism, how we respond, what we expect. I mean, for people to open doors and do certain things. And they got some women that got just saying, oh, I don't need no man to open the door for me because I can open myself. But if that's the gentleman in him and that's what he wants to do, why take and tear him away from that if that's something that he's comfortable with doing? And a lot of women, when they do it, then when they start seeing, okay, that was the norm, now they want him to go back to it when for three months they almost took his arm off for trying to open the door, you know? So now that you find out that all your friends' people do it, now you want him to go back into it. So now he's out of the groove of it because you know, drove it out of him from being ugly. And now you want him back open the doors. And then you get left sitting in the car. <laughs> you want to know why you're still outside and everybody's in the house. But um, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to finish this. It's been a pleasure to talk to you on tonight. And I'll listen to you wrap up on tonight. And looking forward for you know the next topic and when I can do a little bit more input. Yes, ma'am. And before we go, I'm gonna give you guys another example of um uh when we talk when I talked about, you know, um uh, being a, uh involved with somebody who where the partner is unavailable or you find out because all the times you don't always know that the partner is unavailable until you find out that there's something else going on in that person's life. And so I'm just gonna become transparent and let you know maybe it was a few years ago, probably like in the late nineteen nineties, I think it was, the early two thousand. Um, this guy became interested in me, and we started dating, and I kept saying, you know, well, where do you stay? You know, and he kept saying, because I would only meet him at his place of business. And so I said, well, where do you live at? Where do you stay? And so he kept saying, well, I'm in transition. Okay, for those of you who are listening, when you hear a person say, I'm in transition, write that word down, warning sign, transition. He said, I'm in transition. I'm between my mom and my, my dad's house, and he, um, between, yeah, my mother's my mom and my dad's house, and he was saying, I don't think they were together anymore. And this guy at that time was 
oh my God, he must have been forty something years old at that time or late late thirties. I think he was in his early forties. So, but anyway, he said that he was in transition. Well, I didn't think anything at first. I said, well, okay, because you know what? Maybe he lost his job. He got laid off. Whatever. It's possible that he lost his house or apartment or whatever. He could have been in transition. So I gave him a little time. I said, well, okay, this guy's in transition. Let's check it out. Oh, you know what I said? Give me your mother's number so um, if I need to reach you, I can call you at your mom's house and I can leave a message. Well, he said, well, people, I don't ever get my message at my mom's house. Okay, well, so now red flag was going up. I said, okay, he had his mom's house. He's in transition. If you call his mom's house, and he's gonna, now you tell me that mom would not give a man who's in transition his messages. Okay, so one day innocently, went to another friend's house and started talking about an event that we were planning and that we were having. And so we said, I said, okay, well, so-and-so is going to come, and he's going to take care of this particular thing for us. And the lady and my friend said, you're talking about, uh, let's call him Joe, John Doe. And you're talking about John Doe that lives right over here on this street here? How about this, everybody? I found out from an innocent conversation that he was living two minutes from me, and he was living with his baby's mama. I, okay, set him up really good, invited him over, and asked him, I said, didn't you tell me you were in transition? And he said, well, yeah, I'm in transition. I'm between my mom and my dad's house, you know, until I get settled, get my own place. I let him go through the whole spiel. When he finished going through the spill, I said, "Don't you live right over here on such and such street with so and so, your brother, your um, your baby's your your little your son's uh, mother?" Everything changed. His whole facial expression changed. Everything changed, and this is what he did. He tried to flip it and make it about me, and he said, "Yeah." But I thought if I would have told you that you wouldn't have had anything to do with me, and you're right. And so from that point on, he he tried to make it seem like that it was all Ginger's fault that, you know, that he was in that situation or you found out about it and I couldn't tell you because I know you wouldn't have anything to do with me. You were not going to want to date me. And I don't. I don't. I don't want to date you. But it was hard at that time. We're talking about a good-looking brother a professional brother, the whole nine yards. When you find yourself in a situation where warning flags come up, you're going to have to get beyond looks. You're going to have to be, get beyond money. You're going to have to get beyond status. You're going to have to get beyond all of that stuff and say, this is not for me. Go take care of your business. Call me on the day when you're not staying on that street over there with company. You know, but right now, I cannot entertain you. You know, because you were number one, were untruthful. He was, he was just dishonest about his situation. And so, that information just dropped into my lap. And so if you're in a situation that you're unsure about, keep your ears open, uh, ask questions, ask questions, ask questions. And don't, if you if you have a gut feeling or uh, your intuition is saying this is not, something's not right about this particular person, right here. If you know anybody that knows that person or possibly knows that person, ask around. Don't settle for that and then find yourself in a bad place later because if anything would have happened where that would have been a clash, who knows what he would have told her, you know, as in reference to me. So once I found that out, that was the end of that. You know, it doesn't matter to me, um, 
It didn't matter to me what his status was. It didn't matter to me how good looking he was and what kind of car he drives and all that craziness. That stuff doesn't matter. What matters is I'm not going to put my life in danger because you're dishonest about your own life. So when he, when he acknowledged that that was the truth, then everything was shut down at that point because can't do it. Absolutely cannot do it for my own spiritual um, uh, sake as well as my own personal, uh, just my just my own mental Say just just to be comfortable with myself, I couldn't do it because that meant that I would have had to keep going to his place of business, sneaking around with him, doing all that kind of. No, mm-mm. I'm believing God for the best, not the second hand. No, I want the best that He has for my life. So anything that comes up, if it does not, um, if it's not compatible or it doesn't gel well in my spirit or it doesn't fit my life appropriately. I cut it off at the knees. I don't go through a whole lot of explanations. I just cut it off at the knees. I just let it go. And you, if that's the place where you find yourself, you may have to consider doing the same thing, uh, same things because it's just not good to wreck your spiritual growth, to have your your inner man um, beat down and to be feeling guilty and to be worried and all of that when you should be in a relationship. It's a, a Another man of God and I were talking today about um, this show and about relationship, and he made the comment. He said, relationships should be easy. And I agree, and I complimented what he said by saying, and it should be a nice journey. It's a journey that you go through. You know, it should be easy, it should be enjoyable, and it should be a, a pleasant journey. Even if it doesn't end in marriage, it should be a journey that you do not regret. It should be a journey where if it doesn't end in marriage, you should still be able to speak good things about the person you had the relationship about. He should be, he or she should be able to speak good things about you. Every relationship is not going to end up in marriage. But if you respect that relationship and you take that journey in a spirit of integrity and, and honesty, you can go, you can have that relationship and still come out whole, still come out. Your life can still be blessed by that relationship just because of the integrity and the, the honesty that you brought to the plate. And if that person brings the same integrity, the same uh, type of honesty, you could take that journey and enjoy it and then brag about you had a wonderful relationship with him. It just wasn't the one or with her. She just wasn't the one for me to marry, but I had a wonderful relationship with that person. So I want to thank you all for listening on this evening. God bless you. I appreciate you listening. Like I said before, I'm always so honored for you to, to have you to join me on tomorrow night, we're going to talk about, we're going to close out this series with um, how to know when uh, to get involved with someone. And we're going to be talking about a lot of things, how to recognize a good person, you know, how to recognize the timing of God and the, the uh, and how to um, have a good relationship. So God bless you. Thank you so much. I am honored by your um uh, being a part of the show on tonight. Have a wonderful and blessed evening, and I'll see you, talk to you tomorrow night.